today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four are finally coming home. The Fox acquisition is complete, and we are talking feedback. All that right after this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. And my name is excited as hell. Yeah. Man, Fox Fox deal <laughs> has been completed. Is that it, your feeling or is that all of it? That's that's all my, of it. That's my math Matthew's excited as hell Carol. That's me. Um, okay. All right. We we are pumped that this Fox deal has gone through. There, there, there's a lot of things out there in the world. Uh, I, I know there's some negative uh, things about this deal, but for our little podcast, for our corner of fandom, uh, this is just great news. Yeah, this is just a little nugget of joy we, we, to add to our bucket. I just can't believe it, man. We talk. We've been talking about this stuff for years, and uh, there, there uh, two years ago. Three maybe. I, I don't. When we started this podcast, we, we've been doing this podcast about four years, and about four years ago, we were we, we we were getting a few movies a year, and we thought there was no way that Spider Man or X Men were coming home anytime soon. Yeah, no. When we first heard about the the Sony deal, just for Spider Man to be in a few movies in the MCU, we were like, "You did what now?" Yeah, the, the and then and then this what came out of nowhere. We had we had so many thoughts about well, maybe they'll make maybe they'll make a deal like the Spider Man deal, but it's really hard because they've been successful with you know uh, Logan, and they were successful with um, some of the uh, some of the X Men movies. While they might have been critical failures in some ways, they still were making money. And so we were just like, well, there's no way they're going to bring them home. There's just no way. And then <clears throat> Disney, in the biggest baller move ever, was just like, oh, the X-Men can't come home, huh? Let's just buy the entire company. The entirety let, of Fox. Let me just drop $71 billion on Fox and uh, slide that on over here. I know that's not why they did it. That's not like their primary motivation. But man, it's a, in my world, it is. I really want to think that it was. I want to think that Kevin Feige was just like, you know, I could, I could probably keep this MCU thing going for another like decade if I had the X-Men. Yeah, that, 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 that's totally possible. Like the amount of money that Marvel's going to make. And, and you know, for years we've been hearing about like, the comics, for instance. The way, the way they deal with comics and video games, they, do, they haven't merchandised as heavily as they could with the X-Men and Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. They've been like slowly whittling mutants out of the X, out of the comics universe because they don't own them and it, it's, it, it, it's better for them financially and it, it's been kind of depressing to see you know this the disney overlords uh like kind of messing with the canon in weird ways just because it was more advantageous to make inhumans more popular than the x-men and it wasn't working you know um and this is just like it really could this could be the next decade this could be the next 10 years of the MCU is f- f- bringing these characters to the screen in a world that they're supposed to be in. Yep. And with it being like with this deal finishing this early, cause we had originally thought that it was going to happen right at the beginning of summer. And with it, with it finalizing this early, I really think that they could work it into the Avengers Endgame storyline that Tony Stark planted the seeds for 
mutants to be a thing in the world. It's very possible. Um, I, I, I think we will get some sort of post credit sequence teasing the, teasing the Fox characters. Absolutely. If, even if it's just Deadpool showing up in the, fi- in the post credit sequence, making fun of the entirety of, of watching 22 movies. <laughs> That would be like Have the you- best stinger ever. Having Deadpool show up—it's like a tie to the. Wow, man, that would be amazing. They can Have you heard- freaking do that now. Have you heard that Deadpool is the is the one like it's the main one that they're not going to remake? Uh, I hadn't heard that. No, they're not going to reboot Deadpool because Deadpool as is is Deadpool. It's, he's it's, great. You know, it, it's Deadpool, and and we've been saying that for months on our cast like you don't have to he breaks the fourth wall it's fine that he jumps universes he just has to mention it yeah he just has to be a little confused about what world he's in and then it's totally fine yep i mean that's that's what he did in the uh, in his first movie when they were like yeah colossus was saying we're going to take you back to see the professor he's like which one mcavoy or or uh stewart these timelines are so confusing there's endless times where uh, where, where he broke the fourth wall, because that's what he does, and it's fine. I will, I would love to have a rated R Deadpool movie in the MCU. Please give me that. <laughs> give me all of that. Oh, man. I, I would love to see Deadpool. Like, okay, we all wanted Hugh Jackman's Wolverine to show up in the MCU. We've all talked about that. That would be cool, but I honestly think he's a little past his time as Wolverine. Like, he did his swan song, Let It Go. Like, I'm fine letting him go. But Deadpool is in his prime as Deadpool. Like, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool is a, is still new enough that I think it should go on for another 10 years. Like, these movies should keep coming, and they should sprinkle him all through the MCU. I would love it. Ugh. I know yep. I'm only, for some reason I'm only talking about Deadpool, and I feel like he's, like, generally one of my... He would not be the character that would come to mind, except those movies were so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean... The the obvious thing that comes to mind for like immediate cash grab is the X Men because the X Men are such a big name property. I mean, you remember the the cartoon from the nineties, right? Oh yeah, that we just had so much fun watching all the freaking time. And you know, in in two thousand, they put out the the arguably decent, you know, pretty solid superhero movie. For sure, at the time it was crazy good. Yeah, no, for the time that it was made, it was a great movie. I mean, so were the Spider-Man movies at that time. Like, all those movies were great for what, for their time, but it's time to update them, it's time to do them right. At the time, they unironically put them all in black suits because the Matrix was popular. You know, like, it just wasn't, yeah, yeah, they were not yeah. embracing. And I mean, it's not like they don't update the characters now. You know, they mute captain america's costume a little bit so it's not bright blue and bright red like they still do that stuff but it's not uh, they just bring it into realism they don't bring it into we're scared to acknowledge where these things come from you know where these right. stories come from well even with captain america they originally had him in bright colors because it was a brand new suit and when he went to his like old suit for world war Two that he was always in you know, like running around all of Europe and it, you know, it was, it got some road wear. 
I don't know. I think that I think that suit was originally a little darker. Yes, the original suit he wore in the USO shows, like that, that was a silly color because that fit what they were doing. But they definitely like gave him a muted colored suit for for other parts of that movie. That's not just dirt. Well, think about think about Avengers though. Like the first Avengers movie, yeah. he was in super bright colors because it was a brand new suit. It had just been crafted, and Phil Coulson had input on that suit. I'm not saying that it wasn't. I mean, you know, we can go look back and compare, but like, I'm not saying that it wasn't still paying homage to the old original super bright red and blue, but it's still a little more muted. Because it, it look, just looks a little more real and a little more classy, you know? Yeah. Um, I was and, just explaining why. Like, there's there's easy headcanon, if you want to call it that, to to explain why the colors go the way that they do, for at, at least for his suit. Uh, as far as the other guys, grounded in realism is the easiest way to say, like, you know, this, this costume that this one character has is just batshit crazy. You can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and they, well, they just do it though. That's the crazy thing. They do talking trees and raccoons, and yeah. they, and they do Thor <laughs> in his like like he looks like Thor, you know? Yeah, he had the winged helmet. Yeah, in the first movie, he had the winged helmet, and, and and like they've done it all. They've done it all, man. They've they've really paid tribute to these earlier things. And it's not like the comic books don't change. Like I'm fine with them updating things. Uh, it's just. Being scared of the source material is something that those early X Men movies had a problem with. But I just I would love to see a sort of like real tribute done to the X Men. I'm really curious of how they'll do it and and where they'll anchor it, what time period it'll happen in, if it's in the same universe or if it'll have to be if they'll have to be creating it in another universe and bringing it over. I just don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't want them to try to bring in the X Men fully formed without an introduction movie. Like, I really don't want... But for one thing, I don't want the uh, the other, the Singer movies to be canon at all. Um, I don't want the Fox <laughs> movies to, like, infest the canon. And so I right. really don't want them to do a crossover movie. I want them to do... I want them to do the X-Men right. I want them to... T- tell me who these new X-Men are. Tell the story of the X-Men. Yeah, and that's that's going to be a really difficult thing to do for the non uh, or well for the standard moviegoer because the standard moviegoer has just recently seen some X Men movies, so yeah. to throw them out and say no, these are part of the MCU, these are different to the standard moviegoer, that's going to be like jarring and and really confusing. Maybe we we did it with Spider Man; they were fine. <laughs> like I think yeah, I, th- I think it, you could The Spider-Man movies are not as recent though. Um yes they were. When 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 Tom Holland Spider-Man came out, Andrew Garfield had been Spider-Man like 2 years before. <laughs> he was they were they were still like they were still very recent. And so when the next men movie comes out from the MCU, it's going to take at least 2 years to film that movie. It's going to be two or three years, and it's already been, you know, we've got one coming out very soon, and then it's going to be two or three, yeah, yeah, Dark Phoenix is coming out, and then we're going to get two or three years of them producing one for Marvel. Um, And and I also think it would be possible to bring in a character or two, maybe ones that haven't been in the other canon, and just introduce them. Um, Maybe resolve the Quicksilver issue, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, what I would like to see is... Um, I would I would like to see Fantastic Four come in first. 
Yeah, I'm because absolutely the Fantastic down with Four that. were were very much um, yeah, universe or a dimension. Uh, dimensional or not what's the word they had transdimensional stories sure and like they had all the all that science in their in their stories to to facilitate there being like multiple universes colliding together to have like a battle world type thing right where you know in whatever time period they were in you know like it could be a period piece from the 60s kind of uh like pseudo madmen almost sure with reed richard being the lead and then at the end of it, they disappear from the timeline because they went to, you know, some other universe. They were exploring the multiverse. And right. then they come back later with, you know, tidings of like, oh, crap's going crazy. Things are colliding. And they can't they do come that. back like um, after Thanos. They can't do that where they introduce someone in a past time and bring them forward. They can't do that without a captain in the movie. Without a what? A captain. Oh, that's true. It's true. Yeah. It has to be a captain. You, you have to be a captain to have some sort of leap in time and not change age. That's like the rule now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Captain Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that actually sounds pretty good. Uh, all right, let's get, let's get to some feedback. Uh, we just wanted to get some talk about that up top because we're very excited about this and we, we were covering Captain Marvel and the new Avengers trailer. There's just so much. So much is going on. I keep thinking we're coming to the end of this whole thing for this ten years and it's gonna slow down now. But it's <laughs> just not slowing down. This train is a moving. It looks like our first uh, first bit of feedback is kind of going back to a point that you made. Nerdy Tastic said to us on Twitter, I'm very interested to see where we go in this next phase, especially with the Fox merger. It's strange not knowing the next fifteen or so movies. Yeah, I, I legit think it's time for an El Capitan theater moment. Yes, it is. Um, and I think that would be the way to reignite it. This has been a genius strategy, the marketing strategy for this, to announce 10 years of movies. And now, like the hype train, honestly, I am a little less excited right now about phase, what is it now, four? I'm a four. little less excited we'll about one. Yeah, I'm a little less excited about phase four than maybe I normally have been about the next phase of Marvel. Um, and, and if they're going to even call it a phase or whatever, I think they're missing a huge opportunity if they don't call it phase four. Now that fantastic four are back. Oh yeah. Fantastic four is what I'm going to call it the entire time. Yeah. They absolutely need to bring that. That's like so perfect. Just call it phase tastic four and get into it. Um, (laughs) just lean into it, Marvel. Just lean into it. Uh, but yeah, it's time for another one of those El Capitan moments where you just say, Hey, here's the next 15 movies. We're calling our shot. This is going to be what we do. Um, and that will get the fervor. The fervor will be back in my loins, you know? (laughs) I don't know what that means. Oh man. Babe Ruth, Kevin Feige, same person. Yeah. Same person. Calling their shot, knocking it out. That's right. All right, what else we got? Nathaniel Muzzy's got a pretty good idea. He said to us on Facebook, not sure if I think they'd do this, but how sweet would it be if at the end of Endgame, instead of The Avengers Will Return, they just did like nine slides announcing the next movies, Spider-Man Will Return in Far From Home, and then Captain Marvel Will Return in Captain Marvel 2, etc. Oh, oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be crazy? (laughs) That would be... Like... There, there's, there's stories of theater moments in history where people were so shocked 
that like there was a visceral like I want to see GoPro footage of the audience responding to that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the the nerds standing up and going, "Oh my gosh!" And then like, and the X Men will be introduced in X Men X Men da 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 da, and the Fantastic Four will be introduced in, and they like put little put a year by each one of them, just like tick through. Do oh my gosh! Here's what it is, man. It's do the El Capitan theater moment, but let everyone be in the theater. Yeah, you know, everyone yep. is in the theater for that El Capitan moment. That would blow minds. It would absolutely blow minds. And it's like one of the like you you think about like the one of the earliest films where they had like the train going toward the the camera and people yeah. like thought they were going to die. Um, like, and you, 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 it's like that. Yeah. Well, you imagine these like theater moments where people are freaking out or like, you know, Luke, I am your father. Um, that kind of when I saw the hammer in Iron Man too. Right, right, right. Those big moments for you, that was your moment. But like, if they did that, they would just have people on their feet, pulling their hair out, freaking out in the theaters. Ah, gosh, it's such a good idea. Such a good idea. Yep. There's a video that's, uh, that's similar to what you're talking about there. Uh, that I really enjoyed on Facebook. It's um, it's a whole bunch of sequences, or a whole bunch of, of captures, really, of Thor landing in Wakanda and saying, bring me Thanos, and then just wrecking <laughs> shit. Like, it gives you chills to think about that scene, right? Yeah. So, like, that scene over and over, and you just get so many theaters freaking out. I want that sort of thing for the El Capitan moment at the end of Endgame. That would be great. Yeah, man, that's such a good idea. <clears throat> Great. All right, so next up, Jeffrey James said to us on Facebook, interesting cast about the new Avengers trailer. Your speculation about how people would react to the snapshot reminded me that something very much like that event actually took place in the 14th century. The first major outbreak of the Black Plague, the bubonic plague, uh, eliminated roughly one-third of all the people in the world, and in some areas of Europe, they saw a 90% death rate. The mass disappearance created a weird fatalism and sense that the world was coming to an end. There was general lawlessness, many needless wars, and general chaos. The event both strengthened religion in a, quote, God is punishing us, end quote, way, and weakened it in a, what the fuck, way. Uh, the plague also played havoc with the labor market. <laughs> Supply of labor dropped, so demand spiked, but the remaining nobility didn't want to pay higher labor costs, so there were a lot of draconian laws passed against peasants and serfs. The effects of the depopulation lasted centuries afterwards. There are parts of France that today are less populated than they were in 1345. The best book on this subject is a Distant Mirror by Barbara Tuckman. It won a Pulitzer. As an aside, I often think about the Black Plague when people predict the end of the world because in a certain sense, the world already ended. Since there's never been a natural disaster that's killed even a fraction of that many people in so short a time. Mm. Jeffrey James, you clearly have never played Pandemic with me. <laughs> yeah, but you play Pandemic wrong. We've talked about this. <laughs> I try to kill everyone. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, Jeffrey. That's uh, that's some really interesting information. Uh, I th- it, it's interesting. I wonder. I really do wonder how the world will react in this time because that's such an interesting question. Um, you ever seen the leftovers, Jeff? Uh, no. The leftovers is a similar. Like it asks the question: uh, some percentage of the world just up and disappears. 
I think it's a very small percentage. I think it's like three and a half percent or something like that. And it's just about all of the upheaval of like the religious turmoil and the, um, you know, and, and it doesn't seem, it seems totally random. It doesn't seem to be, you know, one religion disappeared, but there's people who think that's what it is. And there's people who think, you know, like it's all the stuff that he's describing. Um, I, I think the leftovers is a really cool movie for that sort of exploration. I don't know if they have time for that in this movie or if we're just going to see, <laughs> Hey, people disappeared. The consequence is everyone's gone. We don't have time to talk about economics. We're moving, we're moving into like changing it, whatever it takes, you know, I don't know, man. It's it was it was recently said. Um, well, it's been speculated over and over again, but now reports are coming out. Like uh, Avengers Endgame is over three hours long. Yeah, they've just so, got so much to do. Those new posters that came out. What was it? Oh 30, my god! How many posters? It was it was all of them. It, so many. Yeah, they had char- they have new character posters, and they're just just insane amount of posters. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, I, I, I hope, I would love, I love that kind of stuff, that sort of just like economics talk and like talks about the cultural and uh, sociological changes that would happen as a result of these things. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if they have time. I'm, I'm worried that it's going to be too focused. Like that's both a hope and a worry that it will be so focused that the storytelling will be great, but it also worries me that they'll mi- miss opportunities to tell really good stories, which is why I think it would have been wonderful if uh, the Netflix shows and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and things like that had had the time to explore this because then we would have gotten that. Like we really could have gotten the economic oh, and the sociological effects of this huge event. Like let let – Thanos's snap step on the other shows. Let it crush the storylines that are going on and like see what it does to the world. Like, cause we're going to not have time for that much of that, you know? Yeah. If, 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 uh, season six of agents of shield had been going on like during the normal time frame, and like dealing with the, the snapshot after that, like all, all they'd have to do is just like, let them exist in the world. It's basically the walking shield or the walking agents. Yeah. The, the agents dead. I don't know. It's the walking dead, but agents of shield. <laughs> yeah. No, like, I, I got what you were going for. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to put them together. I was just like, you know what? Just, just leave it. The, the rolling shield. Cause it's kind of circular. Fear the agents of shield. No, no. Fear the agents of shield. It's not really good either. No, that's not great. <laughs> Don't open agents inside. Whatever. John Andrews. It's <laughs> a good one. It was good. That was good. Uh, John Andrew Smedden said, reckless speculation alert. Nebula dies on the ship before getting to Earth. And the second trailer scene of her walking in the Avengers facility is a fake out. The reason, shortly after recording the message for Pepper, Nebula realizes how she can get Tony back to Earth using the technology in her body to get the spaceship on the last leg of the journey home from Titan. This requires sacrificing herself in a redemptive arc. Or maybe I'm paranoid and distrustful after the Wakanda Hulk fake out in the Infinity War trailer. (laughs) I definitely think you are paranoid and distrustful, and I think you have full reason to be, John. Um... (laughs) I think it's you absolutely fair. are, and it's warranted. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. That's true. Um, That's true. <laughs> they will lie. They will lie. These folks, and I'm so glad. I am. So, you know, I don't. I'm so glad that they've lied to us in the past because it really makes us. Not only have they only showed things from the first 15 minutes, supposedly, but even the stuff they've showed, we don't believe them anymore. 
right? Like, we don't know shit, and we don't believe the shit that we do know. The people that complain about not knowing, or, like, about the lies, they're wrong. They're just wrong. You should be happy they're lying to you. Please lie to me more. (laughs) Keep me in the dark. Uh, so Don't good. turn those lights on until the lights go down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Brandon Hall said to his random thought, what if after the Fox and Disney deal, the Fantastic Four get their powers from the quantum realm instead of space? Precedent for developed powers was established in Ant-Man and the Wasp with Janet. Indeed. I think it is very likely that Mr. Ant-Man will have some powers. Um, I don't know. If, uh, I don't know, I don't know about the, I think it's totally possible. It's possible that all of this, all of this stuff going on will inspire the Fantastic Four to exist. You know what I mean? Um, I think that Marvel is going to try to move away from, I know we talked about it earlier in the, happening in the 60s. I think they're going to try to move away from that. I really do. Oh, no! What? Matt, what? Oh, my God. He gets trapped in a time vortex, or he goes through a time vortex, accidentally ends up in the 60s, but, like, as he comes out, it's an explosion. Yeah. Irradiates some people, and then he goes back in. Like, doesn't even think about it. Just goes right back in. Yeah. And, like, oh, accidentally created Fantastic Four. Hey, that that is an easily, like, filmable and recordable scene that they could do. Just, like, show four people that l- look similar to the characters that we want, and then, like, <laughs> There's a from blonde the back. lady. <laughs> yeah, just, well, it's just, like, show them from the back, because they probably don't want to cast the actors yet, uh, and then just show that happening. It'd be amazing. Uh, but, no, I, my, my point is, uh, since you just were listening to your own thing, um, <laughs> my point is, I don't think they're going to do it in the 60s. I really okay. don't. I, I, I just think... Other than Captain America, like nothing about those characters from a character perspective makes them have to be from the 60s. From Other s- than my deep-seated desire to have Peggy Carter come back. Sure, that's great. Have Peggy Carter back. Um, but if you, if you put them in the 60s, it's just going to be... They're always going to be in the 60s. You know, it's time to move these characters forward. Iron Man is also from the 60s or 70s. Yep. And, you know, they move, they put him in 2008. You know, like that's, that's the way to bring them forward. The Hulk is, the Hulk was invented back then too, and he's in 2008 or 2009, 2008. Um, so, like, I just think that they don't want to constantly have to be like, well, and I think that's the thing with the X-Men too. As much as I feel like they're 90s characters, I'm like, just move on. Just, just tell us who they are now. Bring them, bring them into the current day. Bring all of these struggles that they're facing and just put them on in today's terms. I think that's the best way to make these characters happen. It's tricky with the X-Men though, because part of what we all love about the X-Men, the 90s X-Men, is a generational thing where you've got the early X-Men with Cyclops yep. and Gene as kids in the 60s that then in the 90s they're the leadership and you've got all these young X-Men. Now, if they try to tell the story in today's terms, it's still going to be weird because do you have a Professor X? Does he exist? Um, I mean, he yeah. has he has to, but if mutants didn't exist, if Project Insight didn't know about... Uh, you know him. Then you do have to do something crazy with the timeline. It's 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 a tricky proposition to bring the X Men into this universe, for yeah, sure. It, it it really is. I mean, you're almost better off just starting them in another universe 
and then colliding that universe with this one. Yeah, and I, I'm okay with that idea. I am okay with it. But it's just, it, it raises a lot of questions. It raises a lot of questions about how the world works and how this collision works. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I just don't know. <laughs> yep. I just don't know. Uh, let's see. Here's something we do know. Thanos is going to get defeated. Anthony Schrock has a prediction. He says, my prediction for Thanos is defeat. Goose will eat him. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. Pretty good I like prediction. That idea. Put it in the prediction <laughs> jar. And now we got two uh, people. Uh, or 084 wrote us. Uh, 084 and Ashley Coffin wrote us. And they both are just uh, giving us a small uh, reprimand here. Ah, they're helping us. They're they're giving us a little boost. I feel I felt a little not not that it was a bad thing. We deserved a rec- reprimand, but I felt a little reprimanded because <laughs> we straight up just forgetting things in the canon. It's a big canon. We're sorry. <laughs> it's a really big canon. It, it's hard to aim. Oh wait, oh eight four says at MCU cast. It's the Benatar, and yep. Ashley Coffin says MCU cast the Benatar. Come on, we had for, we forgot the name of the ship that. Tony. I forgot. You got it right. Oh, did I? Yes. Sweet. You were like, I think it's called the Benatar. And I was like, I don't know. It was the Milano in the first one. Uh, okay. Hey. So I led you astray. I'm All sorry. right. Well, never mind. You were just reprimanding Jeff. I don't feel bad about it anymore. And I really don't even feel reprimanded. Thanks, guys. <laughs> also, 084 says, guys, Anthony was stone cold shot by Yellow Jacket. Hashtag Anthony. pour one out. Anthony, yep. yeah. Anthony in the first Iron Man. I, yeah, you're right. Uh, it was a different ant in the second, second one? Yeah, the second one. Uh, for some reason, I guess he did give him a different name. What was this, what was this one's name? Do you remember? Antonio Banderas. <laughs> All right. Mark Antony? It might have been Mark Antony. I don't remember. I don't remember the names of the ants. I'm sorry. No, that wasn't it. Uh, there was one that was Antonio Banderas. That's fun. It was fun. Uh, let's see. Johan Eckeland says, Adam to you cast, just been listening to the two latest episodes. My favorite use of music is Immigrant Song during the end battle of Ragnarok. Gives me goosebumps every time. I felt that what they tried to do with I'm Just a Girl, uh, but I agree that it didn't quite work. Still loved Captain Marvel. Yeah, that immigrant song drop is amazing. <laughs> That's a good question. You guys, what are your favorite? What's your favorite music drop in uh in all of the MCU? That's a, that that actually would be a fun exploration. But I feel like I would mostly just talk about Guardians if we if we did an episode about that. <laughs> I would just keep bringing up what's, Guardians. What's your favorite Guardians song? <laughs> yeah, those Guardians songs. I mean, Guardians. We've talked about it before, but it was years ago, so I'm going to go for it. Uh, the very first song they drop in Guardians when he is, um, I mean, well, honestly, even the first song they drop when he's listening to his Walkman in the in the 80s is amazing. Uh, it just sets the mood, the sad mood, and I'm then not enough. Sorry, yeah, oh, it's I was just so, watching the the movie in my head just it's now. It's so good. <laughs> it's such a good moment. And they make it look so dreamlike. Like, it almost looks like Uncanny Valley-esque, the way they shoot his skin and stuff. I just, that, that first scene sets, just sets me on edge and makes me so sad. And then you cut to the future, or, you know, cut to 20 or 30 years later, and he's dancing to, uh, to that song as, as the credits 
man. Come and get your love. Come and get your love. Oh, come and get your love as he dances around and like beats up little alien. And just such a great <laughs> character. It establishes not only his character in like, this is a fun, sort of morally ambiguous character. Like that, it, it, it tells you so much about his character. But it also sets up the entire tone of the movie. From that moment on, you know what this movie is. And it, it's such a weird movie. And to be able to establish it so quickly, you're not you're not on edge at all. You're not trying to figure out what you're watching. You know what you're watching. You're watching like a fun space story. Like it's just crazy. Ah, so yep. good. So good. <laughs> so that's mine. That's my favorite drop. Okay, okay. Um I don't know that I've necessarily thought about it. I just the composing that Alan Silvestri did for uh the original Avengers movie. Nerd. It's still yeah, no, it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite songs, actually. <laughs> Nerd. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. No, you can say it. It's right. It's right. Um, I mean, Alan Silvestri also did Back to the Future. Like, come oh, on. I know. He's great. He's wonderful. <laughs> but pick it, you know, we're talking about what song is best, and you're picking a, a, a piece of music, you know, like. Guardians Inferno. Yeah, Guardians Inferno is pretty great. Not my favorite, <laughs> not my favorite drop, but it's good, good, good tune. Well, you know, one of the things that I like about Guardians Inferno so much is that it's got samplings of the the song Black Tears, not Black Tears, uh, the song in the first Guardians movie, the composition part that Tyler Bates did, when mm-hmm. uh, when Yondu says, cover down, submerge, and then it's like, da, 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 like that part, it's got mm-hmm. that set of music kind of just tucked away in Guardians Inferno. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. All right, so next up, Mackenzie Green sent us a message on Twitter. He says, hey, MCU podcast. Hello, hi. Hello, hello. Uh, <laughs> Love the latest episode about the newest Endgame trailer. One thought I had about the scene where Barton is teaching bow and arrow in his yard. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's his wife. <clears throat> you can see he still has an ankle monitor on. So during that time, his daughter wouldn't be that old yet. And it would make sense after what he just experienced in Civil War, the world is changing. And I would think he'd want his wife to be able to defend their family if he couldn't be there for some reason. He's come to terms with the fact that retirement is no longer an option right now. Just some of my thoughts. Love the cast. Thanks for the convo. Whatever it takes. And an afterthought. Who's the girl speaking in the trailer after Stark? I can't place her voice. Hmm. Do you know? All right. I do not know. That's one of those things that I have just kind of let myself wander about. All right. Yeah, I do not know Wonder. either. Um, in response to your, your claim that that's his wife, that person that he was teaching bow and arrow to is way too short to be his wife. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up now just to confirm, but I know his wife from other things, and I did not recognize her in the trailer. Yeah, okay, I just I just pulled it up. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the daughter. I, I, yeah, that, you I can might see his wrong. wife in the background at a picnic table. Also, he doesn't look like he's very seriously teaching her for defense. He looks like he's teaching her for fun. Like that smile on his face. And yeah, you're right, there's someone at a picnic table in the background. That's probably his wife. That could just be someone else. Uh, at, uh, well, no, I guess they're not at a public park. They're at his house. So yeah, that's probably yeah. his wife back there. But yeah, she just looks short, and you only see her face for like a millisecond, but it looks just very young. Yep. 
Yep. And, and well, just the way he's high fiving her and the way he's looking at her, that doesn't look like a that doesn't look like a husband. That looks like a father look to me. But that, yeah, you know, yeah. we could be wrong. There, but I'm ninety. I would say ninety nine percent sure that's his daughter. But good thought. Thinking about it, we saw his daughter and and his uh, third kiddo was born in uh, Age of Ultron, which was what 2014, 15, 16, somewhere in that range. Anyway, uh, two years after that was Civil War, and then Infinity War was two years after Civil War. So in Civil War is when he would have gotten the deal and put the ankle monitor on. So that's plenty of time for his daughter to grow up a bit. Yeah, and she does look pretty young there. I, I would like I would have called her like twelve or thirteen, and that yeah, I'm, 14, I'm thinking maybe. that's about a twelve. To, that, that's about a twelve to fourteen year old. There, it's hard to tell because he's a very short man, and he's got that super wide stance that brings him down a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I don't even know if he's a short, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he's got, he's got that uh that Hawkeye stance. You know, <laughs> you're right. Yep. Yeah, so I would say it's probably his daughter, but it could be could be wrong. Could be wrong. Next up, we got Nathan Odin's son, Wobbly Boots eighty five. Uh, he says, right in the first line, Yo, fellas, WobblyBoots85 here. A question on your thoughts for the upcoming MCU version of the X-Men franchise. Are you of the same mind as me and think it would be incredibly intelligent if Feige and company pulled their version of the X-Men from the animated series X-Men Evolution? In that interpretation of the X-Men, Charles, Storm, and Wolverine are adults, leaders, mentors... Uh, the rest of the team were all around 15, or 17 years old and in high school, including Scott and Jean. I think it would be smart for them to do something similar to that. You could hire younger, less known actors, lock them into long-term contracts, and we, as the audience, could grow with them. Plus, that might take, uh, take away some of the hashtag not my insert character name. Let me know what you gents think. Um, well, first off, I think it would increase the hashtag not my character. Yeah. Uh, be just because it would be so, it would be pretty My Wolverine's wild. not that young. I just, I don't know, man. I really don't know what they're going to do. And I think the smart thing for them to do is probably to introduce the mutants and maybe even introduce, uh, some of the leadership of the X-Men uh, maybe, maybe make, make it so that Charles has been using his mental powers to keep them a secret. Maybe, maybe that's why they're, that, that maybe they have been operating in secret since, you know, a couple of decades ago. I mean, with Cerebro, he, sh- he's supposedly able to affect the minds of everyone on the planet. Yes. So, so maybe he's been doing that, you know? Uh, but anyway, yeah, we, we've, we've talked a lot about what we think they're going to do. And I, I haven't seen X-Men Evolution, so I, I can't say I know. Uh, that canon, but uh, I I generally think um, I want them to do their own thing. I really don't want them to try to just like recreate our childhoods. I think the only way to make these things good and better is to change them and to update them. Um, keeping the things that make them what they are, which is you know they're an allegory for um, otherness. For racism in the '60s and uh, homosexuality in the '90s, like all this stuff, they're an allegory for a lot of things. And I think that, like, trying to uh, make them an allegory for things people fear, and just try to tell the best story. Um, 
and I am I'm I'm on board with whatever changes they need to make. I really am. Uh, the, as long as you hold on to the core of what makes that character special, you know. Yeah. More, yeah. more. I'm I'm more worried about them keeping the characters intact as characters than any sort of age difference. I'm fine with if Scott and Gene are young and Storm is old. Like that's fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. You know. Uh. We need. We know that Storm needs to be about. Uh. Black Panther's age. Yeah, because she does. That needs to happen. Needs <laughs> yeah, to happen. it does. Uh, what do you think of it? Yeah, I, they should totally make uh, Storm from Wakanda in this universe. I know she's oh, not, but it would just be like well, oh, she's you know. from Cairo. Same thing, right? <laughs> all those all those African countries are like right next to each other, and the same. Clearly. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a very small continent in Africa. Yeah, um, totally, <laughs> totally tiny. Um, yeah, I think uh, it would be. I think that would be a fun way to bring in Storm and and to like tie in Black Panther. Like, there's mutants popping up all over the world and have her like pop up in Wakanda and you know him have to kind of deal with that situation or whatever. I don't know. Of course, that would mean she's older or she was younger if she's just getting her powers. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do, man. I really have no clue. What do you think? What do you think they'll do? Um, I I feel like I've said it. Uh, what I what I think that the best idea for them to do is um and is to kind of seed the x-men or seed mutants into uh Another into universe. the human population either into the human population in this universe and just kind of you know when they reset the timeline this be a, a consequence of that mm. or start them in another universe and crash them in. I think it's too late for this. I don't think this is going to happen, but like, what if that's like what they, they, they use, they use time travel in game and then they like, we're going to need a bigger force to fight Thanos when he comes. So then they just do something to seed mutants back in the, like whatever the 1900s or whatever. And it just like spreads mutants. So then it just cuts to the future and we have a fully formed X-Men team fighting alongside the Avengers. <laughs> Ooh. Um, and you're just like, what the? <laughs> <So> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mind blown. Suddenly like, yeah, like, like, um, Tony and Cap have to sacrifice their lives, but in doing so, they create a whole generation of heroes to fight alongside them. Like, uh, could be, oh man, there's so many things they could do. And I just, <laughs> I trust, I trust Feige and I trust him to pick the right creators and to do the right thing. And, and I, I don't mind if they change things drastically, but you know, they always do it. They always do a good job of, um, walking the line between fan service and telling a good story. And often those are two opposite things. <laughs> yeah, far too often those are opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Next up, Dustin Kaufman. I love that name. It's so close. Uh, Dustin Kaufman mm-hmm. sent us a message says, Hey guys, I love the podcast. I just listened to the Endgame trailer episode and I just wanted to throw a theory out there about the scene where you guys speculated Hawkeye is training his daughter with the bow and arrow. But would his daughter be that old at that point? Because it looks like Hawkeye is still wearing his house arrest little ankle thing. Wait, so it's not long after Civil one? War. Is this the same no. one we just read? No, it's not. That's funny. Uh, yeah, it, it, multiple people have ideas. No, no, that's funny though. I, it, like, it's <laughs> even structured similarly. Uh, okay, can continue. <laughs> All right. We probably should combine these into one read. Sorry. Says so. What if he's training Kate Bishop? 
who's a version of Hawkeye in the comics and stuff. Anyway, just throwing that out there because I can't really think of a reason Bishop would be at the Barton's farm. But yeah, keep up the good work. And then another message from Dustin. Hey, just a thought on Captain Marvel. If the Space Stone broke in Endgame, would she lose her powers? After all, she did get her powers from the Tesseract. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know if the, the, she got it from the Tesseract. That power was transferred to her. I don't know if she's still relying on it. That's an interesting question. She really honestly didn't even get her powers from the Tesseract. She got her powers from the engine exploding that siphoned its power from the Tesseract. Right, right. Still, the power was transferred to her some way. So, I think... Uh, about about the Kate Bishop of it all, just looking at that scene, like it's great to try to think of someone else it might be, but just it's it's on the farm, it's on their family farm. The girl looks super young, just the curve of her face and how short she is. She looks very young, and that high five, it just looks super young. I think it's his daughter. Uh, and how about this? We've talked a lot about what if, um. We do get a time jump forward, and Cassie is older, and, and you see an older Ant-Man, you know, uh, interacting with an older Cassie, right? Yeah. What if two of his family members disappear, being his wife and his other children, his one or two, two or three children? I'm forgetting. He has Quinn. three Clint has three. Okay. What if three of his family members disappear and that sends him on this, you know, running through Japan or whatever crusade and he like doesn't take care of his daughter as well as he should because he's out and angry and trying to trying to tilt at windmills to save his family um, and figure out what happened. So he's out doing his Ronin thing and she grows up to be a badass and then we get like whatever jump forward in the future we have a badass daughter of clint barton what if she did survive but like because of the events he wasn't a very good father and then they're they're, like estranged or something and then like we get a future where cassie's older but also so ant-man has a daughter that's older and doing things as stature but then you have like a future hawkeye that's uh you know hawkeye's daughter yeah yeah could be be neat that's very, very easy to do. And, you know, the, there was a version of Hawkeye that was, um, that was Kate Bishop. I think that it would be easy for them to kind of shoehorn Kate Bishop in by having, you know, if the daughter was other than Clint, the only survivor, like Clint and daughter were the only survivors of the family. If, the daughter like changed her name to try to get away from him, and that was yeah. all she came up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even there's another Kate Bishop out there who trains her further or something. Once her father kind of oh uh, yeah yeah yeah, side. you get sort of the Marvel kind of ret retcon where you got the Marvel wasn't necessarily Captain Marvel. She's just sort of a mentor to Carol who led her to be Captain Marvel. You know, um, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a bit late for that. Uh, I feel like everyone that's listening to this has probably seen Captain Marvel. Right, guys? If I just pissed you off, I apologize. Um, <laughs> That'd be mcucast at gmail.com to tell Matt how much he pissed you off. Yeah, do that. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in. We'll see how that happens. We'll see what happens. Okay. All right. Uh, Mike Herberger said to us in an email, Hey guys, found your podcast too, almost three years ago, after graduating high school, and have listened to all, even went back and listened to the old ones I missed, podcast. Wow. Uh, 
but I've never wrote in, so I figured I'd give it a shot. So what he's trying to say is, long-time listener, first-time writer. Yeah. Well, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for writing in, Mike. Long-time first-time. What's he got to say? He says, I am so hyped for Endgame and can't wait to see it. And I've been going frame by frame trying to spot anything I can. First with the regular trailer on YouTube. Did you guys notice when it was doing the black, gray, red coloring that Cap's gloves were red, but rewatching the movie they were not? Why add the red to his gloves? Hmm. I just to address that. I've been wondering. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad he looked into this because I've been wondering. There's some scenes that I was like, I don't. I wonder if they just added that for the the spice or splash of red. And I think it's just a stylistic thing because I've thought about that. There's one scene in a, in the new trailer where in the background there's like some street lights, and for some reason the street lights are red. And I was like, I wonder if that was red in the original movie. That seems weird. Anyway, street lights. Yeah, I think it's for Ant Man. I think it's like Ant Man and Janet are sitting. No, not Janet. Ant Man and his Hope. girl. Hope. Ant, yeah, Ant Man and Hope are sitting in a car talking, and it shows shows the street lights behind them, and they're all red. And I was like, that seems like that's just you just changed that color, probably. <laughs> That's not how you do that. All right, so Mike continues, as well, I went farther and looked at the clip of the trailer they put on their Instagram and noticed some things. First, Ant-Man, when showing up dazed and confused, is holding on to a handle of what looks like a suitcase. Or the Hank Pym lab! Ah, ooh, good. That's good. That's good good catch. I uh, said so also another thing you couldn't really see... Or, I'm sorry, another thing you couldn't really see was when Cap was walking at the front of the line, he has a shield. Seems obvious he would, but is it his old circle shield that we see earlier in the trailer, or will Happy's Easter egg and Spider-Man Homecoming pay off? He was talking about Cap's new prototype shield. Mm. I saw some of these myself and heard some stuff in places. Just wanted it to get back to you guys so you can talk about it. I'm very excited about the idea that Ant-Man might have Pym's case. That's really cool. His lab? Yeah. Yeah, God, think about cool. think about if if Scott Lang brings Pim Labs to Tony or even to uh, to Banner. I do you one better. What if he brings Pim's lab back in time? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and we get a real uh, a real craziness happening. Uh, just like the the super advanced technology. Brought back in time. Uh, what could what could Shield do to prepare for Thanos if they had like thirty years ahead of time technology? Oh, yeah. What if what if Avengers Endgame is not actually what we think it is as far as Endgame? What if it's more like Back to the Future Two? Uh, I dude, everyone hates on Back to the Future Two, and it is by far my favorite. <laughs> I, everyone hates on it, and I'm just like, man, it's so good. It's all that, everyone's like, it's so full of weird exposition scenes, and I'm like, I love weird exposition scenes. (laughs) I just love it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Andrew Greck said to us, you were right, and posted a picture, (laughs) and it's Luis says, before Avengers Endgame is released, Marvel should make a video recapping everything that has happened in the MCU up to that point. But it has to be recapped by this guy. Let's just casually spread it until it becomes an actual thing. Yeah, I'm totally with you. There, there's Luis should absolutely... We should definitely get a video before Endgame of just Luis telling the story of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just like a, I want like a two-hour movie 
of Louise telling. <laughs> okay, that might be overkill. Maybe, maybe. I mean, that's that kind of premise is uh, is the thought that I had for uh, a, a series to uh, to put onto the internet. Yeah, no, that is close to your idea for a series. Speedy recaps. Yeah. Big ol' email from 084 said, Just had a thought while rewatching Age of Ultron prepping for Endgame. There have been rumors that Captain Marvel's sequel may not be taking place in the present day. At first, I wasn't sure about it. It's a little close to what Wonder Woman's doing. Then things started making sense. Ronan obviously has much more story to tell. He didn't leave the movie on a clear path to where he was in the first Guardians movie. So he could definitely return if the sequel takes place before 2014, but there's also the Supreme Intelligence. This movie was the first time we ever heard the AI Kree leader mentioned at all. None of the Kree on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. refer to it, and it doesn't come up at all between Nova Prime and the Kree she was Skyping with. So where did it go? Well, what if... The Captain Marvel sequel deals with another Infinity Stone. It could be that in order to save itself from Carol, it transferred itself into the Mind Stone, which the Kree potentially could have used to alter slash erase Carol's memories when they took her, because that still isn't explained. Or perhaps the Supreme Intelligence is the Mind Stone, which could explain how an AI is powerful enough to run its own planet. Maybe in a post credit scene, a defeated Ronin shows up to Titan with the stone for Thanos, who we know lends it out to Loki later on. There are some small things that work against the theory. Phases 1 through 3 have been titled the Infinity Saga, so it might seem out of place to stick a stone into a Phase 4 movie if we're going to leave Endgame not worrying about them. But it would be a nice explanation for Age of Ultron and why the consciousness in the Mind Stone was so powerful and so skewed towards evil. It could also explain why Vision apparently didn't get any of Ultron's malice, if the creation of Ultron separated the Supreme Intelligence from the stone. Just some thoughts, until next time. Man, that is some interesting stuff for sure. Uh, I don't know that that's necessary. I think they could easily tell all those stories without uh, hearkening back to the stones at all. I I do think it is possible that it is, uh, that Captain Marvel will happen in between a Captain Marvel two will happen in between Captain Marvel one and end game. I think it's very possible. Yeah. I mean, they've got what 20 ish years of, of time frame for her to have anything else happen. Yeah. It, it just, it, the only problem is it really does take away some of the suspense. It's, it, it's weird cause it's a sequel and a prequel. And so you know she survives because she shows up in Endgame. Yep. Um, so that's kind of a problem with it. But I don't know. Definitely uh, could happen. Definitely could happen. And yeah. uh, as for, I am very interested in the whole Vision Ultron of it all. I actually still think it is very possible that Ultron's not dead. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. We talked mean, about it before, but the last scene, the very last Ultron bot is about to be destroyed by vision in quotations and it cuts away from a distance and we see uh we see a yellow light appear and i think there's possibility that that yellow light is vision absorbing ultron's code in some way um i think that there might be there might still be an ultron in in the in the mindstone as of right now but ultron wasn't very popular the movie so i bet i bet that won't happen ever <laughs> Yeah, probably not. I mean, in comics, 
Vision had kind of a, a hidden subroutine to where any time Ultron was destroyed, he just kind of would be pushed to accidentally rebuild Ultron. Yeah, that's right. So that's, you know, that's happened a couple of times. So, I mean, that that could still easily be there, you know? Just kind of hidden, even in the Mind Stone. Yeah. Uh, let's see. <laughs> hidden in the back of his Mind Stone. Uh, let's see. Jeffrey James said to us on Facebook, good feedback cast on Captain Marvel. Spoilers ahead. Bunch of asterisks. I'm not counting it. Thank uh, you. <laughs> one, I think the blue blood that Danvers had on her hands belonged to the Doctor. Two, the quote-unquote no romance concept wasn't just about Fury. There was also not a hint of romance between Danvers and Yon rog Three, I have a prediction about Danvers' relationship future. I think they'll take the route of Zoe and Firefly and have her be interested in a beta male, probably a non-super. Four, Danvers reminds me less of Daria, although that's a brilliant connection, and more of Martha McSally, the first U.S. woman to fly a combat mission, now a senator from Arizona. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a connection there uh, with the senator, being as she is a, uh, you know, She's a woman pilot. fighter pilot, and obviously that is not the part of her that I was talking about, Daria. I just thought her sense of humor was sort of Daria-esque. Yeah, um, her snarkiness. Her snarkiness, yeah. Her, and and, and by, by being Daria-esque, I was just trying to connect it to the fact that it's very 90s. It's like a very 90s sentiment to be that sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's kind of fun. It's almost like – it's almost as dripping with 90s as the blockbuster was. <laughs> yep yep um a good point about yonrog uh and her not having a relationship with yonrog either um i don't know that that would have worked seeing as he uh spoiler alert i'll say it before because it's more of a spoiler than the first thing uh but it, he is the villain uh in the end it kind of it, it's a different thing to not want your villain to be with there, there are a lot of other reasons they might not have wanted to do do that whereas i mean there's plenty of reasons for both um <laughs> don't fall in love with men they're evil that's right. That's right. Totally, totally agree with that. <laughs> That's the easy message to take away from that. Yeah. Um, I like number uh, number three, though, the point number three, about having her be interested in a beta male, probably a non-super. That makes me think of uh, Amadeus Cho, who could easily be in-universe, actually, because Helen Cho, in Age of Ultron, was the one that built his body, built the, uh, the vision, actually, and, you know, was the one that had the, the stuff to rebuild Hawkeye's flesh whenever he got, uh, he got that scrape. Yeah. Helen Cho is Amadeus Cho's mom. Amadeus Cho, uh, eventually became totally awesome Hulk. Hmm. Yeah. In the comics. I don't know about that timeline though, cause that, she wasn't that old. She seemed like she was about Carol's age. In uh, Age of Ultron. In Age of Ultron. Uh, and I guess, yeah, sure, Carol could jump forward in time, maybe. Maybe that's the answer to all this. Maybe, like, all the stuff about um, when the X-Men happen, whether they're mentors and da-da-da-da, maybe you, you, we get, like, a 20-year jump forward, and that's why we lose a lot of the characters we lose, because they all just become older and mentor-type characters. <laughs> and we we just get a, like, massive jump forward. Um, oh, man, Avengers Academy. Yeah, for sure. What's, all right, what we got next? 
Uh, Nathan Lahai says, I don't understand people being upset about Coulson acting like they don't have an acronym for S.H.I.E.L.D. in Iron Man, with the name being established in Captain Marvel. If you think this breaks canon, then you really should be upset about Ant-Man, Agent Carter, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Captain America Winter Soldier, all of which make reference to S.H.I.E.L.D. existing way before 2008. During the filming of Iron Man, Marvel had no idea if they would have an Iron Man 2, let alone 22 movies in 10 years. If we as fans hold them to ideas they had before the universe was even created, we are seriously handcuffing the writers and directors from making the best movie possible. Seems like a lot of people grasping for things to gripe about because Captain Marvel was by far not the first to break this continuity. All right. I have strong feelings about this, Nathan. I really, first off, thank you for writing in. Really appreciate you listening. <laughs> Second, secondly, I have very strong disagreements with you. Uh, I agree there is time to break canon. That's that's really hard for me to say because I don't think you should break canon. Uh, I don't remember if in Agent Carter – I know they didn't mention S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. Uh, they had a – it was another organization. I don't remember if they actually mentioned S.H.I.E.L.D. and Ant-Man at the beginning um, or if they if, – if it's still proto-S.H.I.E.L.D. like an Agent Carter. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., also, it's called whatever the other thing was. What's the other thing? The S... The SSR. Is it the SSR? I wanted to say that, but it sounded wrong. The Strategic Scientific Reserve. Yeah. So I think, I may be wrong, there may be mention of it being called S.H.I.E.L.D. earlier. Uh, but my problem wasn't with them calling it S.H.I.E.L.D. They could have easily called it S.H.I.E.L.D. in this movie. There's only one scene in this movie that breaks the canon for me. And that is when, like, if he goes up to the to the Peg, Project Pegasus and says... Um, you know, I'm from S.H.I.E.L.D. That's a secret facility. Fine. They know what S.H.I.E.L.D. is. They're allowed to know. But if if Tony Stark in 2008 does not know what S.H.I.E.L.D. is, then you can't get out of a car on the street. I watched it the second time. He gets out of the car. Uh, Fury gets out of the car and says, stand back. Official S.H.I.E.L.D. business. Yep. And it was just like. That that definitely breaks it. Like if he's telling random people on the street about Shield, then Tony Stark should have known what Shield was. Um, and I don't I don't remember the exact timeline on when when the SSR became Shield, but in two thousand eight, apparently Tony didn't know what it was. Um, so 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 that that being said, um, that's okay if you want to break that rule and and make that joke from 2008's Iron Man no longer canon. Like, uh, it, we just have to ignore that joke. Okay, sure. But, like, make it worth it. If you have a character reason that needs to be true or a story reason that needs to be true, great. But if you're just ignoring canon for ignoring canon's sake, that I have a problem with. And in, in that car scene where he gets out of the car and says, official S.H.I.E.L.D. business... There's no story or character reason for that to happen. Uh, that's my problem. Is like the ignoring canon just because you feel like it. Uh, if you have a good story reason, yes, you're handcuffing the writers. If you have a great story reason, then maybe you rewrite canon a little bit. Uh, if you just are lazy and have Fury say shield to a bunch of uh, citizens because, you know, just because... That annoys me. He could have said a uh, government business. He could have said FBI. He could have like just lied and said whatever he wanted to. Uh, but he just, he, they could have just not had him get out of the car and say anything. Like, 
Um, they could have just said stand back, everyone, and flash something. Uh, official business. Official business, stand back, whatever. Uh, but saying it to it, there's just no, there's no point. That's, that, that's like breaking canon, and here's why it's important. So all of that being said, here's why it's important. Um, we are, they are building this universe as a universe, as a unified, connected universe. The only way that exists is to have the interconnectivity and to make one movie be based on the events of another movie. If if you just start throwing out canon, then you got to decide where that line is. And sure, your line can be past a joke from 2008 Iron Man where you're just like that joke that's that that was a joke it was always meant to be a joke they didn't know any better we're moving on but you start there and then you just start slowly changing things that like matter you know it matters it becomes a slippery slippery slope it's a slippery slope and so like slippery slope our arguments are whatever like maybe they would never do the bigger things, but I have a feeling they would. I mean, this 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 canon's been around ten years. If you don't watch the canon, it will no longer be a canon. And if you want to make another movie, none of these writers are handcuffed. These writers can go make whatever movie they want. But if they're making a movie in a connected universe, it matters that that universe be logically consistent. Because otherwise, your characters can change, the world can change in ways. The whole point of a connected universe is you look at it and go, oh. That character did something, and that connects to 20 movies ago when they did this other thing. And having those, having those be reconcilable movies that make sense together is important. And, and if you just start ignoring what's come before for the sake of ignoring it, like if you had a good reason, do it. If you have a great story that you want to tell and there's something handcuffing you, but like it shouldn't just be, it, ignoring canon should not be the rule. It should be the exception. And, and it should be an exceptional circumstance where you decide to ignore canon. Otherwise, it's just laziness. It's just laziness. <laughs> to his point, though, uh, in the Ant-Man opening scene where we see Agent Carter and um, the older Howard Stark and um, God, the craptastic guy who became the buyer yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, when Hank walks in, on the wall it says Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's totally in line with canon. Yeah, 1989. 1989, it was called the Strategic Homeland. And the other thing is, like, maybe they called it S.H.I.E.L.D. then, but maybe C- Coulson was effing with Iron Man. Like, I'm totally willing to accept. There's lots of ways to, ca- like, write into canon that S.H.I.E.L.D. existed before 2008. Like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But, like... It can't exist by that name in public and make sense to the uh, to the rest of the world, you know. Well, the the way that I'm headcanoning it is that he said, you know, stand back, official shield business, and didn't expect anybody to know what it was. Just people hear official something business, and they're like, oh, it must be a important thing that we're not a part of. Or that I don't know about. Some secret organization. Damn government being all secret. Listen, Jeff. You're not a pro head cannoner, I can tell. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Clearly. Fury would not, like, if it's a secret, Fury, the ultra spy, would not go around. (laughs) He wasn't the ultra spy at that point. Sure. 
no spy, no agent of a secret organization goes around in the streets telling people about his secret organization. Rule number one of S.H.I.E.L.D. at that point has to be you don't tell people about S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> I mean, he had a hat. That yeah, he handed to her. Yeah, no, and, and I, a logo on it. I have well, and see the thing: if you're wearing it around a secret base, that's one thing. If you are, uh, if you're, you know, if you're out on the street, if you're out on the street, it's a street, different thing. It's a different thing. Different thing. <laughs> um, and they were they were not wearing shield logos. They didn't have their cars. Didn't have shield logos. He gives her a hat, but to go into Project Pegasus, but that's different. That I'm okay with. Um, it's just that one line, and I almost feel like did 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 Sam Jackson improv that line, and then they, or like someone on set that day, like someone didn't write it. They just like, hey, you know, you should pretend because there's no people in the shot. He just gets out of the car and says it to camera, and I'm just like, did they just think that was a cool shot and decide to do it, and then kept it in? The editor kept it in because they liked it because. It just seems like if you're writing something in this canon, you would know this stuff, but, you know. <laughs> like, yes, you're handcuffed to a canon, sure, but you're handcuffed to a really good canon, so, like, enjoy, <laughs> like, embrace the handcuffs, like, be a part of the canon. Don't just try to weasel your way out for no reason. Like, for, if you've got a great character idea, like, do it, but... This all only works if it's connected. It only works if there's canon. The only thing I'm taking away from your entire rant there is embrace the handcuffs. You heard it here on the MCU cast, everybody. Embrace the handcuffs. That's right. Anyway, thank you, Nathan, for writing in. I apologize for disagreeing with you so heartily, uh, but I do. (laughs) But I really do appreciate you writing in, and I love you. What's Nathaniel Lizzie got to say? Uh, a few things. He says, 32 posters, half survivors, half snapped. Biggest news, Valkyrie confirmed alive. Yeah. He also says, how about a way that we get the pager is immediately after the snapping, S.H.I.E.L.D. puts a manhunt out, manhunt, oh, words are hard. S.H.I.E.L.D. puts a manhunt out for Fury for obvious reasons. They track the car down and find the pager, and they bring it to Avengers HQ since they have no idea what it is. Absolutely works fine. There's so many ways they could do it. They're having such a big problem with it. it was funny. I'm like, no, it works fine. That no, that's the canon that I have a problem. With. We had multiple people write in about that, and you felt really strongly about it. And I was like, it's just fine. Like there, they, there's lots of ways they can find the pager. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is not no, the biggest it, hurdle to a overcome. Needle in a haystack, Matt. <laughs> oh, anyway. Anyway, uh, NerdyTastic said on Twitter, Adam Zucast, do you think we'll ever get a Red Hulk? Mmm, that's a good old general, Thunderbolt right? Ross. General Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Ross. Ross. I don't nah, know. I don't think we will. Just because Universal owns the rights, they're not going to make another solo Hulk movie. And the Hulk movies have traditionally just not been very well received, even if they were good, if you look at them in a certain way, I guess. I mean, we when we rewatched The Incredible Hulk, we we found ourselves really enjoying Abomination. Um, just that oh, character not and his progression. I loved that character from the beginning, just because the actor. The actor is amazing. Um, 
gosh, now now that I say that, I can't remember his name. <laughs> um, but that, that actor, I really have loved in a lot of things over the years, and uh, he's really, really great. And he's he, he had a show called Lie to Me. He was in four Tim rooms. Roth. Tim Roth, thank you. Tim Roth is freaking great, and he's great in that role. Um, and so, yeah, I I thought that was the one shining part of that movie for sure. Blonsky, Blonsky that was the character name. Uh, well, Emil Blonsky. I don't I don't think we'll get a Red Hulk anytime soon. And since if we do get a Red Hulk, it's probably not going to be General Ross. I mean. That's the thing, though. That's the thing about General Ross is that you know, he chased the Hulk for so long trying to get what's in Banner out of Banner and then kind of fa- found himself having power. Um, I don't remember exactly how he got his power, but I mean, it was, you know, he was Red Hulk. He was a red version of the Hulk, but also there was fire involved. I think, like, he exploded fire or something. I don't remember exactly. My my thing is, with this kind of thought process, I would much rather see a She-Hulk happen. Hmm. Yeah. Mostly because Jennifer be. Walters, as a character, was always in control. And seeing somebody who has like that super strength, but is still always in control of herself and the situation, and she's a lawyer, like, Fighting for for mutants' rights is going to be a thing coming up. So having She Hulk be the lawyer to to fight for mutant rights is going to be crazy. Like that's that's exactly what we need. Yeah, that would be neat. I I, I will say in the pro Red Hulk column, uh, Thunderbolt <laughs> Ross has been in a lot of movies, and so yeah. he is a pretty well fleshed out character. If suddenly we had a we had his turn and he became the Red Hulk. Uh, it could be, it, I could see it. I could see it in a future movie. I just don't know who he'd fight, and I don't, yeah, unless they get the solo Hulk movie rights back. Mm. And I, I think, like, if you, if you make a solo Hulk movie, well, with the idea of there being a She-Hulk and a Red Hulk and a, you know, Kid Hulk. Red She-Hulk. Um, all, all the different Hulks. You could have more of a, like, family of Hulks movie. And that could be interesting. <laughs> Team Hulk. Yeah. Hulk and the Agents of Smash was a was a cartoon series. Yeah. You you could do something like that that might be a little better than a solo Hulk movie. Yeah, maybe. But still Universal has the rights to it. Yeah. Like I said, if they get them back. Let's see, we got 084 with a couple of tweets. First one says, Thor won a staring contest with a whole sun, and then used his magic axe to teleport to Wakanda, and only didn't kill Thanos because he aimed for the wrong body part. Anyone wanted to discuss Carol being OP should probably get in line. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Uh, and his second tweet is, another reason for not romantically linking Carol and Fury, the 40-year age difference. Oh, wait takes place in the past so the 20 year age difference is there a 20 year age difference i thought they're about the same age in uh in that movie uh, in carol in captain marvel i'd say that he looked a little bit older yeah but but not significantly uh, yeah it wasn't that big it wasn't that big a jump yeah i mean i don't know exactly how old nick fury is in current canon uh but he, yeah, they didn't look that far apart in in Captain Marvel. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I agree, though, for Thor is the first OP character and will always be the most OP character in my heart. Um, 
after watching him show up on on Wakanda and just kind of commence to wrecking the ships and just kind of tearing things down, I was just like, hell yeah, that's what Thor should be doing. Like that's how he rolls. Because that's how str- that's how strong Thor has always been in the comics and you know other things. And that's the Thor I know is that he's just so freaking overpowered. Yeah. Anyway, uh, next up, Yoda Hughes said on Twitter, Adams, you cast, regarding Danvers' blue blood, her altered memory, her blood is blue. Real memory, it's red. The Tesseract doesn't burn through the wood drawer in Captain, in Cap 1 either. Must be activation that heats it up. Mmm, man, my head cannon is really cooking this, these last few weeks. <laughs> uh, uh, Yoda Hughes does say, well done, Matt, on your head cannoning powers. I bow down to your high power. Yes! Higher power. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Yoda. <laughs> uh, he also says, I'm disappointed that people didn't react to my pun of a picture of Goose asking for his code name and my response being Tessercat on Facebook. Can I get some love for it? <laughs> get, yes, yes, Yoda. You, you get all the love for that. I'm sorry I did not see it. Also, I read that tweet three times before I realized you had inverted the letters in Tesseract to say Tessercat. Uh, I just kept reading it. I, I was so confused. I kept going, my response being Tesseract on Facebook. And I was like, I don't get the joke. What is happening? And then I realized that I think that's probably why you didn't get more love. Because it, when you say Tesseract, it's hilarious. When you read it, your mind fills in the letters and you're just like, oh, Tesseract. Uh, at least that was my experience. It was too advanced you to you. It, it, it's, it a, was, it's a good audio joke. In text, it's a little tricky. Maybe, maybe, maybe capitalize the cat. Maybe. <laughs> if I'm going to punch it up just at all. Camel case, man. Just come on. Camel case. <laughs> I don't know what camel case is. Uh, the first, like you smash the words together. The first word is not capitalized. The second word is capitalized. Oh yeah. Camel case. Perfect. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a common thing when you're doing variables in programming. Yeah. Neat. Uh, yeah, little nerd, nerd bit there. That's where I really nerd out, by the way. Uh, Yoda Hughes said again on Twitter, Adam Sucas, hashtag Captain Marvel, did you notice Fury was level three in S.H.I.E.L.D.? Not even level seven that Ward gets at the beginning of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I did notice that. He's a young, I, he's a young baby Fury. Yeah, yep. When he said, like, when he showed his badge and it was level three, I was like, aw, that's cute. I wonder <laughs> how long it takes him to get the level 10. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Nathaniel, mm, I'm going to try. Mliner. Mlinar. I think it's Mjolnir. <laughs> <laughs> What's Meow Meow? <laughs> anyway. Another Nathaniel wrote in and said, I just listened to your March 8th podcast about Captain Marvel and had something to say about a certain fight scene. One of you mentioned, this is going to be Matt, Matt mentioned this, uh, one of you mentioned that you were a little disappointed with the direction they took for the I'm Just a Girl fight scene. I completely agree that the synchronized music, editing, and choreography is epic and possibly the best parts of James Gunn's Guardians movies. That being said, if they did that for this particular scene in Captain Marvel, it would make it feel like she was in sync with her powers. I think the directors and editors made it intentionally out of sync to show that Carol is just now using the full potential of her powers and she's not in sync with them at all. That is something that she shows a 
few times throughout the fight. Music has a bigger part in movies than people realize, but I think this scene was intentionally left a little messy so we could feel, or so we would feel, what Carol is feeling with her new powers. Just a thought to bounce off of your thought. Yeah, so my thought there is that not, I, I do agree it would make her feel, look in sync. But the idea would be she's not in sync with her powers because because in the scene she's still like blowing herself into the wall and she's still knocking things over she doesn't mean to she's not good with her powers yet but if they had synced it up to the music I think the desired effect would have been she's in sync with herself like she's finally come into her personality and that's what that scene was about I think that scene was supposed to be the when she breaks through breaks out of the supreme intelligence bonds that's supposed to be her knowing who she is and understanding herself and I thought that that's what she's like in a flow with the universe. She's finally found herself as it were. That's what I wanted out of that scene. And yes, I still think it should have looked sloppy the way she fought. Cause she doesn't have control of her powers yet. She's like falling all over the place. She keeps, I love the first blast. Uh, she flies backwards into the wall. I think that's super cool. And I think you still could have had that and still had it be in sync with the timing. Cause I think the effect of that scene is supposed to be, Oh my gosh, she is Captain Marvel now. Like she's yeah. still like she's still a fledgling Captain Marvel, but she's Captain Marvel. So I think the balance of still giving her the sloppy fight scene, but syncing it up to the music would have given given the desired effect that I wanted. Because you still see actively that she's not good at her powers, but it would give me the idea that oh she's 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 finally feeling herself. You know she is <laughs> she's she's going to do this like. It would have been funny if the beats of the song were in sync with the beats of her like falling down and hitting the shit that she didn't want to hit. Like yeah. none of the beats of her hitting people or blasting the the other Cree, like none of those beats were in sync with the music, but the beats of her falling on shit. <laughs> well, no, I would I, have been funny. Yeah, I think that that gets a little uh a little too high-minded, I think, but I do think that, like, her blasting and then flying back into a wall, like, that wall hit should have been to the music, you know? Like, so she's 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 blasting her way through this thing sloppily, recklessly, but it's still, it's still the most she's ever been herself. The most she's ever thrown off the chains that were bond- binding her, you know? And so, like, that's, that's the... It was the internal... Uh, syncing up with the universe that I wanted, not necessarily syncing up with her power set and being good at what she does or whatever. But then yeah. by the end, of course, she is good at what she's doing, and it's just super epic. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see, Stephanie Bestlin said uh, in a message to us, do you see or did you see all the character shots Marvel and shared on Insta today? Definitely some unexpected ones in both the Survivor and Ash posts. Thoughts? We thought that Shuri survived. Uh, you may not recall, Shuri was actually shown to be one of the missing people in the uh, in the the portraits that Banner was looking at uh, in the first in-game trailer. That is correct. Unfortunately, she did not survive. I am really pissed, though, that they did not uh, show her disappear on screen. It kind of feels like, and I'm sure it was an editing choice. Or they just never. I, I can't believe they never would have shot that. Like that, she she she's an important character to me. Um, but I guess they I guess they were mostly focusing on the main Avengers that were remaining. And Shuri, I mean, there's so many, right? Well, and Shuri disappearing 
would not have mattered much to any of our current characters. Well, I guess it would have mattered to, uh, oh gosh. Okoye? Okoye, thank you. I was like, I cannot remember how to say her name. Okoye, it would have mattered to Okoye, but Black Panther disappearing mattered a lot more. And also. <laughs> Black Panther disappearing in her arms. Yeah, like the whole, the whole, that whole scene, as much as it kind of pisses me off that Shuri got ashed off screen, um, it, it also, uh, I understand it because that whole scene is about watching some, you have, you're watching someone watch their loved one disappear. Like that's the yep. whole that's the whole scene. And uh, Shuri wasn't on the battlefield. She's like up in the castle trying to get. No, was she on the battlefield? Of that no, yeah, I don't know where she. We don't know where she was. No, she was she was in the lab. She was not on the battlefield. Yeah. Well, last we saw her, she was on the lab, but that was with Vision. Or no, no, no. She fought some guys in the lab, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we just don't know. We don't know what what her deal is. Uh, I don't know why they didn't show that. I, I guess I do the thing I just described, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm still kind of mad at it. Yeah, I mean there there didn't seem to be anybody else up there, so it would just be her disappearing by herself. But you know maybe her disappearing by herself is you know part of the part of the mystery that we'll get in Avengers Endgame. I would have you know all all you really needed for me was like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you would have done it exactly, but like someone calling her on the radio or something. But it probably just, it probably just, uh, and her radio just sitting on the ground or something like that. But now they did that in Ant Man and the Wasp. That's true. They did do that. Um, but I, I, I also just think it would have been a distraction. Like that scene is so beautifully crafted. Um, I'm sad. It, it feels a little disrespectful to not have her shown on screen, but it also <laughs> I understand it because there's so much going on, and you're gonna focus so much on, movie. Yeah, and they're fo- they're focusing on the characters that have action. Anyway, I'm sitting here describing something, and I'm just responding to my own problem. Um, so let's just <laughs> not even describe <laughs> responding to her anymore. I'm responding to my own problem with that scene. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> maybe sure. you should respond to yourself in private. Shuri's gone, and Valkyrie is uh, is, Valkyrie's is alive. alive, which is great. It's great. All right, guys, I think that is all of our feedback. Um, Holy we, crap! Really? We, yeah, we're caught up, man. Wow! Um, wow! So, uh, <laughs> wow! We'll be back with you guys real soon. Um, we are the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on Twitter, facebook.com slash mcucast, mcucast at gmail.com, or call us at 573-CAST-MCU, and we'll play it right here on the cast. If you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash mcucast. We could use all of your support right there. All right, peace. Until next time, true believers. True believers.